an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. For most of his career, Timberwolves big man Carl Anthony Towns has had a reputation. Part of being a real superstar and being a franchise-type player is that you have to do it on both ends. And... He does that selectively. Can he be a player who impacts winning? He can put up beautiful numbers. Can he impact winning? We haven't seen it yet. He is a star, and he is going to be a star for years to come. Great kid. Call Anthony Towns. My brother, you look soft right now. But could that reputation now be changing? Today, The Athletic's John Krasinski on how Towns has been elevating his game and his outlook on life and why that could take the Timberwolves to the next level. From Wondery and The Athletic, I'm Andres Kelto. It's Friday, January 21st, and this is The Lead. John Krasinski, welcome back to The Lead. It's good to be back, Anders. Thanks for having me. So, John, as I was prepping for this interview last night, I was looking at Timberwolves' stats in recent years, and I have to say, I knew this team has been pretty bad for a while, but I didn't realize that they've only made the playoffs once in the past 17 years. And when they did make the playoffs in 2018, they lost in the first round four games to one, which means Minnesota fans have literally seen one playoff win in 17 years. So my question is, with this team now squarely in the playoff picture and and miles ahead of where it was last season, is there some buzz forming around them in the Twin Cities? There is some buzz, Anders, and it's been a very pleasant surprise, I think, for Timberwolves fans who are used to the worst-case scenario unfolding. They're used to seeing teams really just kind of come out and find inventive new ways to lose (laughs) and to send them home brokenhearted. This year, I think that they have a much better chemistry than we're used to seeing with these Timberwolves, and they're on track for a roughly 41-win season. Now, a lot of markets around the league might say, what's the big deal about a 500 season? They've only had two of those in the last 17 years. And so you can pretty much hang a banner for something like that just with the progress that they've made. All right, well, John, we wanted to pick your brain today about the guy the Timberwolves have been building around ever since they drafted him number one overall back in 2015, Carl Anthony Towns. I alluded to this already in the intro a bit, but from your perspective, John, what has been the overarching narrative around this guy during his career? Sure, it's been a complicated narrative, Anders, in terms of he is one of the very best offensive players in the NBA. Towns drills the triple. Crazy how talented he is. Three triples for Towns tonight. Timberwolves. He is supremely gifted as a seven-foot, three-point shooting uh, put the ball on the floor and get to the basket type of a player who can hurt you in so many ways. Oh, how about Towns hanging there? The chance for the end one. Such a great move. A strong move, decisive move, and that's been... The problem for Carl Anthony Towns so far in his career is that all of that talent and all of the statistical production that he has 
brought forth in six plus years in the league has not brought the wins with it. And I think that he has unfairly gotten a lot of the blame for that in terms of being dubbed a stat stuffer and not a winner. But really, when you look at it, this is a franchise problem in terms of not surrounding him with enough talent to be competitive in the Western Conference. He has had one player in his seven years who made the all-star team the year prior to joining him, and that's Jimmy Butler. And so I do think that he certainly needs to be better in terms of leadership, in terms of helping to raise the game of teammates around him. But when you look at the revolving door of general managers, of of head coaches, and of teammates, he just has not been put in a position to succeed either. Carl Anthony Towns spent the first few years of his career playing under Tom Thibodeau. And I think it's fair to say that the relationship was a bit rocky. Can you remind us what the main tension was between those two and how that tension played out during their time together? So remember, Anders, in 2015, Carl Anthony Towns was drafted number one overall by Flip Saunders. Before Carl Anthony Towns even played in a game in the NBA, Flip Saunders died. Just two days after it was announced that he would be missing the upcoming season while battling cancer, Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Flip Saunders has passed away. Saunders was also a team president and part owner of the Timberwolves. That really set the organization into this tailspin where for Carl Anthony Towns' rookie season, he played under an interim head coach in Sam Mitchell. And then they brought in Tom Thibodeau to basically be the taskmaster who helped a very young team at the time, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine, try to expedite that learning curve and that growth process and get them into the playoffs and become a contender in the Western Conference. You hear him talk about defense and the work, and he's going to be a guy that's going to make you guys work. I know you're not afraid of work. How do you think that's going to go over in the locker room? I mean, it's going to make us better. Obviously, uh, working hard always makes everyone better. So uh, the only thing that sharpens iron is iron. So I think we're, uh, we're on the right path. And, you know, from the early stages of the marriage between Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Zach Levine, and Tom Thibodeau, it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't, you know, ultra combative or anything like that. But in Carl Anthony Towns, what he wants in a coach, in teammates, in an organization is camaraderie, is family, a lot of communication. And Tom Thibodeau was all business. He just wanted to show up, clock in, go to work and win games and then go home. And so they were just two very, very different personalities with different approaches to being in this league. And it just got off to a rocky start and they never really got on the same page. And how did we see that sort of tension between them playing out during their time together? So there was a couple of things that would happen, Anders, in terms of watching the marriage kind of disintegrate. And one thing that would happen often is when the Timberwolves would struggle, when they would lose a game, when the defense wasn't clicking, Carl Anthony Towns would often give answers in press conferences about kind of what he did at Kentucky. And so Towns would lean heavily on that experience and all the success that he had there and say, you know, what we did at Kentucky was this, and this is how it worked at Kentucky. And that didn't sit well with Tom Thibodeau. There would be veiled sort of comments that he would make uh, in his post-game press conferences about, 
know, this is in college. The NBA, it's, it's body on body. It's not, this is in college. It's, you know, like when you cut, there's, someone's hitting you. You know, that's the, and it's continuous. It's, it's never ending. And until we understand that, you know, we, that's, the, that's what's separating us right now. And so I think that from that aspect of things, a very stubborn and headstrong head coach and a player who really believed that he knew the keys to being successful just were kind of talking past each other often during their time. And then it really fell apart, Anders, during the Jimmy Butler trade drama. If you recall, Jimmy Butler requests a trade just a, days before training camp opens in the season. Tom Thibodeau declines to honor that request and wants to play through it and hope to convince Jimmy to change his mind and stick around. And in the meantime, Butler was a powder keg behind the scenes. At one point in the scrimmage, sources says, Butler, Butler turned to GM Scott Layden and screamed, you bleeping need me. You can't win without me. Butler left teammates and coaches largely speechless. He and I think that Towns lost a lot of respect for Tibbs in that situation because Thibodeau was a guy who preached accountability, who preached all business, who preached kind of being there for each other. And meanwhile, he is letting his prized pupil, the guy that he brought in to change everything, blow everything up. And so at that point, watching Tibbs just get run over by Jimmy Butler, I think caused Carl Anthony Towns to look at this and say, you are bringing embarrassment and drama on this organization. I'm out of this. I'm just going to stay out of it. John, what would you say that we learned about Carl Anthony Towns through all of that drama involving him, Jimmy Butler, and Tom Thibodeau? So I think that there were some people in the league who would say, you know, Tibbs and Jimmy Butler were trying to show Carl Anthony Towns how to be tougher. And I think there is something to that. At least that was the method behind their madness. But what we learned from Towns is that he was never going to be the guy who got in the gutter and was slinging mud at his teammates, at the coaching staff, at any of that. What Towns did instead was distance himself from the situation and say, look, you're not going to draw me into some kind of a public spitting match. I'm not going to be the one who is contributing to the feeding frenzy kind of in the media and in the court of public opinion about the drama behind the scenes. And so I think some people looked at that and said, you know, come on, Carl, get into the fight. Why are you letting other people dictate the narrative about you? Whereas Carl was saying, hey, the way these guys are conducting themselves is unprofessional. It is just an in defiance of everything I know about what a team is supposed to be. And I'm not going to abide by it. Well, John, in one of your recent stories, you wrote about how we've been seeing some changes in Carl Anthony Towns this season, both on and off the court. And some of those changes seem to be connected to the incredible tragedies that he's lived through recently. First, can you just remind us exactly what this dude has gone through and what that experience has been like for him? Right, Anders. Yeah, when, when people kind of question Carl Anthony Towns' toughness, when they call him soft, you know, you really do shake your head if you really pay attention to what he has been through. 
she was uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, her lungs were getting worse. Her cough was getting worse. She was deteriorating. He lost his mother, Jacqueline Cruz, to COVID-19 at the very kind of outset of when it was just starting to get its grip on the United States and shut down the NBA. He has lost, he says, at least six other loved ones, close ones, friends, family members to COVID-19 over the last couple of years. He has been through the ringer emotionally in a way that few of his teammates have during the last two years. He has also, unfortunately, been dealing with a lot of injuries to his knee, to his wrist that caused him to play through pain. So the combination of the physical ailments that he was going through and the obvious tremendous heartbreak that he was experiencing from the COVID-19 pandemic really just threw him for a loop for a good year or so. And as he was coming back from his mother's death and trying to put the pieces of his life back together. John, you recently talked to Carl Anthony Towns about how all of this has, I guess, reshaped his outlook on life, really, and even caused him to bury some hatchets in the process. What did he tell you? It was really interesting in our conversation, and it came up kind of unprompted uh, as we were really kind of just trying to get a feel for how he is evolving and how he's persevering through all of the adversity that he has faced. And he is, and to his own admission, been a sort of fiery, volatile sometimes personality on the basketball court. And one thing that he told me is that when he went through losing his mother, when he went through COVID himself, he also had a very bad bout with it himself and lost a ton of weight and and really had a, a hard time with it. It changed a little bit of his perspective on how he looks at the game. Basketball used to be very front and center, the most important thing in his life. And he has kind of come back this season knowing that there's more to life than just what happens on the court. And so what that has done for him is tried to make him more grateful, he's told me, tried to make him more appreciative of the moments that he does have. And so he told me that last season when the Timberwolves were in New York, he pulled Tom Thibodeau aside and said he wanted to move past their problems that they had and sort of patch that relationship. With regard to Jimmy Butler, he was on a podcast that he did in December saying that he doesn't want to hold that grudge anymore with Butler, that he was thankful for the way that Butler teamed with him to make the playoffs. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate you. No matter how we saw it, we didn't see eye to eye. All right, f*** it. We didn't see eye to eye. We don't have to, but guess what? We, we got the job done on the court. We gave the Wolves a chance to be in the playoffs. We did that. Thankful. And he wants to just kind of give people their flowers, as he says, and, and be on the positive side of life. He does not want to be in the gutter of NBA Twitter, you know, throwing shade, you know, having all sorts of drama. He wants to move past that. You all spread negativity. I want to spread love. I want to spread some appreciation. Flowers. Let's get flowers more. We losing people every day and y'all keep talking about trying to spread negativity and all this shit. I ain't here for that. I ain't here for that. That's, that's bullshit. 
Well, personal stuff aside, Carl Anthony Towns has also been changing his game on the court this season. And John, you've watched this guy play up close for years now. What's he doing differently this season? So what you're seeing is he's still shooting the ball from three-point range remarkably well. He is scoring in the post with efficiency. But one of the things that is tangible that you can really point to that is different is he is starting to set screens on the perimeter and then roll to the basket for passes to get layups and dunks. And in the past, what he almost always did was set the screen and then pop out behind the three-point line for a jump shot. He is kind of like looking at what are the other ways that I can be effective and maybe even try and help this offense take a few steps forward. The biggest thing, though, Anders, with Carl Anthony Towns is he's much more attentive defensively. I think we've been waiting for him to put in the requisite attention to detail and consistency of effort on that side of the floor for much of his career. He's done it in short little bursts throughout his career, but uh, this is the most sustained level of focus and intensity that he has provided in his entire career. And the Wolves have been all season long a top 10 defense because of that. And let me tell you something, Anders, to see the Timberwolves in the top 10 of defensive efficiency (laughs) is like we are living in an alternate universe. And so they are bringing an entirely different mindset and approach on that side of the ball. And Towns is a big part of that. He is the last line of defense. He's blocking shots. He's getting rebounds. He's getting out on the perimeter and bothering people. And so that's made really all the difference when it comes to them being able to pile up some wins and get into the Western Conference playoff picture. You also wrote about Carl Anthony Towns' performance in a big win over the Knicks on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. Can you walk us through his performance in that game and what was so significant about it? Yeah, that, that was a performance that really kind of underscored the growth in his game and in his maturity level because... He came out of the gates in the first quarter just dominating. Towns gets around Robinson. Great job not shuffling the feet and being able to finish on the spin. In the second and third quarters, the Knicks got much more physical with him. And that is a case where in the past, Towns would have let that get to him. The no calls, the bumps and the elbows and the kind of tenacity. Towns into the paint. A lot of contact, no whistle. Walker the other way. Kemba's got five here in the first two minutes of the second half. Instead, Towns kind of just kept his cool. He allowed D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Noel to kind of get their shots and kind of keep things going forward without forcing himself on the game. And then in the final moments when the Wolves absolutely needed a bucket. They went to Towns against Julius Randle right at the top of the key. Jalen Noel for offense. Edwards. Back to Towns. Operating at the nail. Cat on the attack. Off the glass and one. And the Timberwolves go back in front. That really was the go-ahead basket that allowed the Wolves to prevail in that game. So just kind of the the ability to fight through adversity and then stay in it and be able to make big plays down the stretch, I think just showed kind of how far that he has come in that process of becoming a professional. 
I stuck to my guns and I just kept playing and playing the game out and letting the game play itself out. And um, when it got to the end, just to be mentally prepared for that moment and to not let anything affect me, to feel that confident, to feel that kind of calm, you know, it just speaks to the growth of me since I was a rookie till now. Now, there are still going to be nights where he doesn't do that. They lost in Atlanta on Wednesday night, and he was a little bit out of sorts in that game. And it didn't go well in the third quarter with some referee confrontations and things like that. There are going to be those nights that happen. He understands that it's a work in progress. And Chris Finch, the head coach, has also said that they're going to take two steps forward and they might take one step back. But as long as they keep kind of going down the path, uh, gradually going in the right direction, I think that they feel that they're really going to be in a position in the end of the season to be in the playoffs and to be a factor there. Coming up, the trade rumors swirling around the Timberwolves and around Towns himself. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So, John, the Timberwolves have been at the center of a lot of trade rumors recently. There's been talk of Ben Simmons possibly coming to town and even talk of Carl Anthony Towns getting dealt somewhere. So this is probably a lot to pack into one question. But what are you hearing on the trade rumor front? And what, if anything, do you think this team needs to do before the February 10th trade deadline? A couple of things, Anders. They are absolutely trying to be buyers going into the deadline. They they see an opportunity to go up and maybe get as high as the number six seed in the West and stay out of the play-in tournament altogether. They love the way that starting five is playing. It's one of the best net ratings of any starting group in the NBA. And so I think that right now, the most realistic 
option for the Timberwolves is not maybe going out and getting Ben Simmons or Miles Turner or a major, major piece that comes in and is like an all-star level player to join their, their core, but maybe to add some size on the bench to add a little more depth, a little more shooting, a little more playmaking. Harrison Barnes is a name that may come up. There's a few others out there that they would go that would be maybe considered sort of minor tweaks to the roster, but could make a big difference in their ability to match up against different teams of different sizes and shapes and be competitive. I just think with their assets and where they're at, it's going to be hard for them to pull off a major blockbuster type of a trade, which leads us finally, Anders, to, you know, kind of the talk about possibly trading towns. So far, all indications are that he is happy here in Minnesota. He has said many times throughout this season that this team with his buddy D'Angelo Russell, with Anthony Edwards, with Jared Vanderbilt is one of his favorite teams he's ever played on. It just has it more of the family style atmosphere that he wants in a group. And so I don't see him asking for a trade anytime soon. The Timberwolves also do not want to trade him. They view Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards as the absolute core of this team that they want to build around for the next several years going forward. So unless something changes dramatically down the stretch into the summer where Towns just decides that this is not the place for him, I think he's going to be here and be here for quite a while. You mentioned that the Timberwolves are chasing the sixth seed in the West. John, you and I are native Midwesterners. And as we all know, Midwesterners are by nature optimistic people. So paint us a rosy picture here of how the Timberwolves season could unfold from here. What does a best case scenario look like for this team? Yeah, I think a best case scenario, you know, and we talk about, as we sketch this out, I would say they have the top end talent to be really competitive in the Western Conference, you also look at the teams around them and the Lakers are a mess. The Clippers have a lot of injuries. Denver has a lot of injuries. Dallas has played well. You don't know how they're going to be. It's a big jumble from like the five seed to the 12 seed in the West. And now they really believe with Carl Anthony Towns playing the way that he is with D'Angelo Russell getting out of his shooting funk with Anthony Edwards, just overall dynamic athleticism, that they can start making a move here in the West and pile up some wins and get on a run and climb up the ladder. And so I think if they can stay healthy, knock on wood, Anders, that they can absolutely look at the sixth seed as a realistic possibility for them. And that is not pie in the sky thinking. That is an attainable goal with the right health, maybe the right trade or two, Right before the deadline, they can be right in this thing going into March and April. And bringing it back to Carl Anthony Towns, do you think this new side of him that we've been talking about, you know, burying the hatchet with old coaches and teammates, keeping his head for the most part, at least during frustrating games, talking openly about gratitude and things like that, is all of that here to stay? I guess we'll just have to see, Anders. I think that it makes sense that as he gets older, he's in his seventh year in the league, he has been around the block. He has been through incredible tragedy. He has also lost a ton of games that maybe you just learn as you grow up. You adjust what you're doing and and adjust your outlook if things are not working to try and, and, and make a difference. And he is making those efforts to do that. Is that sustainable? You want to see a larger sample size of it before you proclaim any sort of 
grand evolution. And so I think it's too early to say that he has definitely turned over a new leaf and is a different person from that respect. But I will say that it is clear that he is really putting in a good faith effort to become that. So I think he's still going through that process. I don't think he's quite arrived, but the fact that he is putting himself through that, I think is encouraging to the Timberwolves who have kind of been wanting to see this effort from him and this perspective from him for a couple of years now. Well, John, thanks for coming on the show and thanks as always for your thoughts and insights. Thanks for having me. You can read John Krasinski's full story about Carl Anthony Towns and follow the rest of his Minnesota Timberwolves coverage at theathletic.com. Thanks for listening this week. Our senior producer is Matt Straub. Production by Ian Hurley. Production assistance by Julia Karen and Megan Coyle. Sound design and mixing by Aaron May, Joe Richardson, and Mark Nieto. Tiffany Oshinsky is our co-host. Brooks Varney is our outreach coordinator. Our executive producer is me, Anders Kelto. The show is executive produced by Marshall Louie and Jen Sargent for Wondery. From Wondery and The Athletic, I'm Anders Kelto. See you next week. To hear more of The Lead, you can follow us on Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Or to listen to us on your Alexa-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play The Lead podcast. If you travel, you know how to pull off a perfect getaway. You know after you enroll with your Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card, you get up to $10 back monthly on U.S. rideshare purchases with select providers, like a car to the airport. You know which remote retreats have the best herbal baths. And where the Wi-Fi password is rarely used. Because you're the escape artist. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Terms apply. Purchases must be on card. Visit go.mx slash you know. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.